Hello. Hi, John. Oh, hey there. Hi there. Hi there, Dan. Hi. Hey there. What's going on there, fella? What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, it's the same. Just everything is uh, a little bit older than it was the last time we talked. <laughs> yeah. And I got I got myself some uh, some thinking putty. So tell me tell me tell me more about that. tell me more about thinking putty. Says uh, here's what it says: Crazy Aaron's Glow Brights Thinking Putty. Mm-hmm. And it's like silly putty, but it's bigger. Okay. And uh, it, you know, hold on, let me see if I can get it out of this container, honey. Listen, here's uh, some ASMR for you. It's making very little sound, but listen. Oh, I hear it. Yeah, right. Oh, I hear it. It's, yeah, it's purple to celebrate Prince. Uh, to celebrate Prince. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Well, and so are you currently using it? Are you going to use your thinking putty during our I'm show? I'm holding it. I'm holding it right now. You know, we'll see if it gets the uh, the juices flowing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll tell you at the end of the show how it how it goes. We'll check in. <laughs> The juices, you yeah, say. Yeah. 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 But it's, okay. uh, I think this belongs to one of my children, but now I have it here. Great. Well, yeah. I wish that I... You know, you ask, you ask a question. This is what's going on here. I mean, this is, this is what people tune in for, I'm sure. It is. It is why people enjoy our show. Um, I don't have anything of the kind here. To, I don't have any kind of sticky, goopy thinking stuff at all. I just have my thinking coffee. Mm, which is probably yes, something you made yesterday or the day before, and now you've reheated it in the microwave. I made it yesterday, and I reheated <laughs> it in the microwave, yes. <laughs> it's That's how you make thinking coffee. Yeah, no, sure, sure. Yeah, and I'm sure that it was like something, like really, like a you used your burr grinder and ground the beans mm. that you roasted yourself and mm. used it in a, you know, in a... a pour over or a French press nope. or something. None of the kind. I put, uh, put some, some Pete's coffee from the grocery store into a 20 cup Mr. Coffee that is from 1990. The, the coffee maker absolutely is from 1994 at the earliest. Still makes a great cup of coffee or rather still makes a lot of coffee. Can't can't attest to how good it is. Pre-ground coffee too from the grocery store. Dan didn't even get the beans. Got the stuff that was pre-ground. I mean, that's what I do. I, I used to. There was a time in my life where I cared a lot about the coffee and the beans and grinding different, you know, storage methods for it. And yeah, you know, storage. and I I think I really think this is the crazy thing. I think I could tell the difference back then. Like, uh-huh. I think, I think if you had given me a variety, I could say, oh, this one is from a French press and this one is made this way. And this was a drip. You, this one, he used a perk pot from the 1950s to make. Oh dear. This one had a unbleached paper filter and this one had a bleached paper filter. Like I could have done that back then. Oh, and dear. now when I have coffee, I just wanted to give me a, enough caffeine to function. And that's, that's it. Yeah, just uh, just do do your coffee job, do the damn coffee job. <coughs> Oof, wee. So, what's been uh, going on with you? What are you up to? Are you are you in your house? You're not in your house. What's the story? In the house, I'm um, I'm gearing up here. We're uh, we're recording this show right here at the end of April, mm-hmm. 2021, mm-hmm. and uh, 30 days half September, April. June and November, meaning that there's uh, not much more of April to go when we're recording this show. We're right at the edge of it. And on May 1st, mm-hmm. May Day, the International Workers' Day, mm-hmm. I am going to stop eating refined sugar. Oh, lovely. Welcome. Join us. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm very excited about it. However, mm. I've been on a part of why I'm stopping eating refined sugar oh. on me first is that I've been on a sugar bender now for, you could say all of 2020, but definitely the last several weeks I had a, 
I was lucky enough to have a listener from Canada send me a uh, an entire case of Jersey milk chocolate bars to try to banish the thoughts of Hershey chocolate from my head. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it turned out uh, uh, we have a listener who works for Hershey in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Right. And they responded with a giant box of all across the spectrum of Hershey products from whatchamacallits all the way to scores. Uh, and that arrived and that was, that really upped, you know, it upped the ante. We had Easter in there. There was some, there was a lot of chocolate happening around the Easter. Sure. And, um, yeah, I just went off the, I went off the sugar rails. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of like Sheena Easton Sugar Walls. <laughs> was that Sheena Easton or what? No, Sugar Walls was. Uh, who no, did, that's Sheena Easton. It, it wasn't okay. Yeah. Um, oh, hold on now. No, no, no. Sugar Walls is the second single from Sheena Easton's 1984 album, A Private Heaven. It spent a 16 weeks heaven. on the Billboard Hot 100 in the United States, nine of which. We're in the top 40. It reached number nine on the Hot 100, number three on the R&B chart, number one on the dance chart. The song mm. did not chart in Easton's native UK. I thought uh, Sheena Easton was from Australia or something. She's from the UK. Huh. This is what it says. Huh. This is what it says. Let's see what. Let's see her bio. Let's see what it says about her. It says that she's from Belshire, Belshill, Belshill. Lanarkshire, Scotland. Oh, she's a Scottish girl. Oh, yeah. isn't that interesting? You know, she was uh, she was very good with Prince. Well, since we're since we're since already we're talking, talking about, about Prince, Prince, yeah, very good with Prince. All oh, right, that, she did uh, for your eyes only the James Bond song. I forgot that you got the look. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yep. Sure enough, do be cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sheena Easton. Well, that's you know that's a that's a blast from the past. What I'm trying to what I'm trying to say though is that I'm really really uh, about to go through pretty you know it's a pretty major shock to the system. Well, you to, om- you eat almost exclusively refined sugar. Like that's your jam. That's your mo. It's a uh, well. I do eat a lot of jam, <laughs> and um, that's one of the things on the list here at the house. Uh, that's got to go. Uh, we discovered, we discovered that kind of, you know, long, long time ago at a time when I wasn't, I wasn't in the driver's seat of this decision, but honey nut Cheerios got introduced to our home. Mm-hmm. I, I don't eat breakfast cereal, hmm. but, uh, but, but, uh, some members of the household do. And, um, and I was like, pretty dismissive of honey nut cheerios and i looked it up and it turns out honey nut cheerios has nine times more sugar than any other breakfast cereal than all other breakfast cereals combined even the ones that are like called chocolate sugar puffs <laughs> what no 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 don't You're, have as much a, sugar I'm not as honey you. nut cheerios that's not true yeah honey there's no way honey nut cheerios it's just honey it's cheerios no. with a little little drip of honey on there that's all right that's what they that's what they want that's what they want you to think but no in fact it can't have fact, more than apple jacks honey nut cheerios have more sugar than honey nut cheerios have more sugar than smarties candy okay so looking looking at the information the serving size is one cup or 37 grams to those of you in, in scotland there is 140 calories I'm not giving you the information of with one half cup of skim milk, which is what they recommend. I'm telling you just the, just the honey nut Cheerios. Okay. And there's not Cheerios. These are honey nut. Don't worry. I I verified that. And then carbs, they have 30 grams of carbs. Total sugars are 12, 12 grams of sugars Mm -hmm. in a serving. Yeah. Which point? Is that a lot? Is that not very much? No. No, that's not a lot. Twelve, um, twelve honey nut Cheerios. You're saying are not. I'm not saying that full of I'm, sugar. I'm saying they're full of sugar, but it doesn't. Okay, so Apple Jacks, which is a superior cereal in every way, twenty five grams carbohydrates, ten grams of sugar. So it does. It doesn't. 
by by two grams. But that's not a lot. If you're yeah. in the the uh, theater of sugary cereals, two grams is you're not having a lot of savings by cutting down. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't eat them, so we're we're just I, I'm trying to clear the cupboards of because sure. we're not we're not trying to do we're not trying to do anything crazy here. I don't want to. I don't want. I'm not saying that I'm going to stop eating all the different foods. I just shouldn't be eating peanut M and M's for breakfast. I shouldn't be eating <laughs> between four and fourteen chocolate bars a day. It's just you're that, not that, eating fourteen chocolate bars a day. I said between four and fourteen. <laughs> but that, but fourteen as a that means what, there was one day where you did. No, just I want to <laughs> set I want to set a reasonable boundary so that people aren't like. You know, I, what I don't want is to go over. I don't uh -huh, want to go over. Sure. If I say between 4 and 14, it's very unlikely I'm ever going to be like, whoa, you really blew it. You blew it out today. It's like, no, it's, mm -hmm. it's, still, within, it's still within the boundaries I established. <clears throat> so I'm not – here's the thing. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, but I woke up in the middle of the night the other night, and – um, and I think in my dream, I reached for my phone mm. and you know, when I, when I left the internet earlier this year, it's now been assuming that our listeners are, are in the great month of May when they're listening to this show, mm -hmm. they will, be. it's been it's been five months since the precipitating event that propelled me off of the, off of social media. Right. It does not seem like five months, but five months have elapsed. It does not seem like five months. Five months. That's almost half a year. I don't have to tell you. I know, I know you know how many months are in a year. I'm just saying it does not feel like that. It doesn't at all. And one of the things in, in that moment, I mean, I, I, I very definitely in that moment said like, this is either going to be the worst thing that ever happened to me or the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm resolved that it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Like it's, it's honestly that easy <clears throat> because it, because this is such a, you know, otherworldly experience. You really can dictate how how you go from here, or I could dictate how I went from here. Where do I go from here? That's entirely up to me. And leaving the internet behind and social media behind was, mm -hmm. I felt like a very positive choice. This was a thing that I didn't have the, I didn't have the willpower to do on my own, but now I'm, you know, I'm forced off. This is like getting a DWI or worse. You know, it's like having a, terrible car accident and realizing you have a drinking problem. And so getting off of it, <clears throat> I assumed that the six hours a day that I spent on social media mm -hmm. would immediately be converted into some other form of energy that I'd be, um, uh, climbing flagpoles or, <laughs> or building a Eiffel tower out of toothpicks or, right. Right, or you know, sculpting the devil's tower out of mashed potatoes. Exactly. <clears throat> Thank you, Dan. Mm -hmm. Oh, you were—I knew you were going there. I just, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I was—I was struggling to remember exactly which one of America's national landmarks I had carved on the dining room table out of out of uh, a starchy vegetable. And you're—you're right, you're absolutely right. It was—it was Devil's Tower. Uh, and what I found was that although, and, and you know, and when I when I started my Patreon a month later, I was very, very, still very convinced that leaving the internet behind, I was going to enter into a new period where, and I think we think about this stuff a lot as creative people, like all I need to do is put myself in the room with a bunch of crayons and I'm going to draw. And taking away social media, I was going, I had all that energy. I definitely felt when I, when I joined social media that 
I redirected a lot of creative energy toward it. And so I just naturally assumed that it would all come flooding back in, but it wasn't the case. Uh, not that that energy isn't there, but, it, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm older and being creative when you're older is, is just harder. It's just more work. Just like everything is when you're older, it's more mm -hmm. work. It's more work climbing stairs. Why shouldn't it also be more work writing songs? It's just harder, <clears throat> harder to do everything. But what I noticed, Dan, was that my phone never left my side. And in the past, I felt like, and I feel like we may have talked about this already a couple of times, but I'm still really wrestling with it. Mm -hmm. I assumed that my phone never left my side before and that I checked it 16 times a day. Right. Because I was engaged in all these uh, social media imbroglios. And, I, and every time I saw something interesting, I took a picture of it and put it up on social media. And then I had to monitor the comments and I had to do, 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 spar back and forth with my pals. <laughs> I wasn't doing any of that. And I was still looking at my phone at least that much, if not more. Mm -hmm. And all I was doing on it was playing, you know, mindless games, looking stuff up on Wikipedia, more mindless games, looking stuff up in, you know, classified ads. Right. You know, I had, I, I was looking stuff up like, huh, I wonder, you know, I wonder how much, uh, Italian art glass lamps are worth on the market right now. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, life is, I mean, these are important valid questions. Yeah. I was looking that up the, this morning. A, fr a friend uh, sent me a picture, a, an email with some Italian art glass chandeliers that he was taking out of his house. And he was like, I don't think you want these, but do you? And I thought, no, but now I'm curious about them. And that's the type of stuff. Honestly, if I could restrict my, uh, phone usage and internet usage to just that stuff. I have no beef about it. Like mm -hmm. when I, at the end of the day, when I do an accounting of the day, the time I spent looking up Italian art glass chandeliers, I, I put in the, in the, in like the, the column, that's an income column, right? That's not, I don't feel like that's time spent in the red. That's time in the black for sure. It's just the four hours of playing Minesweeper <laughs> that that I'm that I'm I'm in I'm in arrears to the world. And meanwhile, life is going on all around me. I got a ten year old. I got, you know, I'm I'm working on my house. I'm working on my yard. I'm working on things, and I've got my guitars. And I'm I'm building a you know I'm 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 going to in my new house have a space where I can finally play music in the basement, you know, a thing I've been, I've been kind of like, I have a phantom limb feeling about mm. having a place to play guitar in the basement. Um, the whole time I lived at my farm, I never want, I didn't have a basement there. I never once could go down in the basement and play guitar, which is like a, it's like a, uh, like a primordial desire on my part. If you're playing guitar in the house, that's one thing, but to go down in the basement and play guitar, mm -hmm. if you had, if you had walked me, if you'd blindfolded me and walked me into a closet and then pretended I went down some stairs and pulled me out and said, you're in the basement now, I would know I wasn't because I could, I couldn't feel the earth around me. I couldn't mm -hmm. feel the, the dirt piled up around my ears. That's what I need to really, really play guitar. I need to be underground. It's all happening, and yet, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is pick up my phone and start monkeying with it, and the last thing I do before I go to sleep at night is pick up my phone and monkey with it. And so May 1st, I'm quitting refined sugar, and I'm putting my phone away again. This is the sixth time I've tried to do it. Put it in a drawer. Stop it. Mm. Just stop. Stop it. It does not whatever <clears throat> it's, it's just like I felt about social media. <clears throat> I felt that social media was essential somehow 
because that's where everything was happening. I had made it indispensable. How could I have a career as a creative person if I wasn't on there? Mm-hmm. In the mix. Mm-hmm. How would I know what was happening? It was my news. It was the way I communicated with friends. It was, you know, it was, it, it, um, it filled all these, it was, it was like, it was like spray foam insulation. It just went into everything. And I feel the same way about my phone. And I think we all do. How can I live without it? What are you talking about? What if I need to know about Italian art class or, you know, and then the, you know, then the, the grandmother voice is like, what if someone needs to get in touch with you? <laughs> right. How you know, would they what if do that? What if you're somewhere and you don't know, know how to get to somewhere else? And, you know, and what if you need to know the price of tea in China? And honestly, we don't need it. We don't, I don't need it. I never, I didn't need it in the 40 years that I lived without it. 30 years, 33 years, I lived without a phone in my pocket. I certainly don't need it anymore now than I did then. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put it away and it does, it feels like sugar. It feels like, it feels like waking up and having a handful of M&Ms to wake up and play 30 minutes of a video game. Not even a video. It's just, it's just solitaire before I even get out of bed. Like this morning I woke up on my own at nine o'clock in the morning and I lay there in bed until... 9.45 playing solitaire. Mm-hmm. For what? You know, like I get, I get what my, I get what I'm doing. Like I'm I mean, it doesn't sound like procrastination, but you're using it to move from a sleep state to a fully conscious, ready for the day state. And I'm willing to put money on the fact that most people do something like that if they have the opportunity to, even if it's 10, 15 minutes of it, you know, if you, if your alarm or if you wake up at, you know, whatever, I'm, I don't know when you wake up, you're probably an outlier, but if most yeah. people have their alarm set for, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock, seven thirty, something like that, they're probably allotting 10 or 15 minutes of just a little bit of time in there to do exactly what you're talking about. I, I believe and and if it, if i can find my um you know my mindless card flipping to one half hour a day and it was in the half hour right after i woke up i would also put it in the in the uh, the the positive column for mm-hmm. the day mm-hmm. it's just that i do it in the morning i do it at night i do it in the afternoon i do it you know, it's, it, it isn't about the game. It's about the phone itself. And it really does sometimes feel like the phone is beaming some ultraviolet, like, at me because I pick it up. Well, it's that dopamine. It's the dopamine hit. Right. But I don't even understand where the dopamine, because it, you know, like it isn't performing any function that a deck of cards doesn't. Like it's giving me no rewards. Because when because when I lose at a game of solitaire or win, all I do is just start another game. I don't there I don't I don't sit and celebrate with the with the game as it as it showers me with fake confetti. Mm-hmm. I keep the sound off so there's no little soundtrack that's happening. It's just a it's just I'm just moving pegs from you know, it's, I, I'm playing Chinese checkers by myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so all that social, social media, phone, dopamine stuff, it all, I mean, I, I was super addicted to that too. The, 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 the rush of faves and likes and so forth, but I'm really not getting any of that with this. I lose 80% of the games I start. Because, and half of the time I'm playing them so distractedly, I'm not, I'm just like, lose, start a new one, lose, start a new one. Right. I'm not even, and whatever it is, <clears throat> and the, and the thing is past a certain point, I'm not interested in what it is. I'm not interested in the mechanics of my mind that have delivered me unto here. You know, I don't, I don't care anymore about this, about the psychology 
because whatever the psychology is, is irrelevant. It, it, w- the reality is that I, that this is, a, <laughs> this is just a massive waste of time. Like I, I'm, I'm starting to look at it like an 85 year old grandfather would. What are you doing? Get, what is a stupid, you know, like, like Eddie Murphy as an old grandfather. <laughs> right. The voice you were doing was kind of the Eddie Murphy as older Jewish man in yeah. coming to America and coming to America. Mm-hmm. What, what is this? What, <laughs> why, why do you have this? Get rid of the thing. It's Pretty good. Pretty good. Based on your background. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. That's not bad. This, this always in your hands. Get it out. You, um, that was yeah, more Transylvanian, I think. Yeah, but. I got I got a little Transylvanian. <laughs> Count Dracula. A little <laughs> bit of that in there. You've got a very good Count Dracula. Yeah. I mean, it's my yeah. thing. Uh, and you could easily go as Dracula. You could, if you groomed yourself just slightly differently, you could, you could just, just like back the hair. That's the only you, change. You could cosplay as Dracula every day. Man. I am. I'm doing it right now. You just can't see the cape. I kind of fangs. I kind of wish that that you did. Well, I'll just turn video on, and there, there I'll be. Blah 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 oh. blah blah. So, but I'm 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 anxious about it for a couple of reasons. One, I know that. Um that even more than sugar, it will be a blow. It's it's a it will be a blow to my to the to my to the rhythm of my day. It, idle hands are the devil's plaything, right? Mm-hmm. I, I will I will feel my therapist just said that to me this morning. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> I, That's exactly what she said. I uh I don't know what to do with myself and and the so the let me is, just say well, how yeah, go. how often is the phone now that you have removed all of the socials mostly yes. from your life yes how what percentage because you're still looking stuff up you said you just looked something up for a friend i'm sure when you're sitting there and your 10 year old comes up and she's like, dad why is this thing and you're like well, let's look it up and find out. And then you look it up. I'm sure you're still holding on to your phone, but are you are you saying that you're not holding on to it as much, or you're not looking at it as much, or or what? Now, no, I am looking at it as much as when I was on social media all the time. But I'm not on anything. And you know, and and I think I think you know probably, and everybody knows. Everybody that's a grown up knows the feeling of sitting somewhere where other people are around, whether mm-hmm. it's your your friends or your child or uh, the people you love most in the world. And there's a voice in your head that's saying, "I wish these people would go somewhere else so that I could look at my phone for a while. I don't <laughs> want to look at my phone in front of them." Right. I would be embarrassed <laughs> to to look at it in front of them, but I really want to look at it and I wish they would, you know, and, and so, and I do it. I'm like, Hey, why don't you guys go outside for a second and check out the, do you, do you see that? You know, just you, you see that, la- that flash in the sky. And then everybody's like, what are you talking about? Well, go check it out. And, and then I'm like, Qu- quick look at my phone. It's, um, it's super duper, it's super duper weird and super duper bad. Uh, like bad for your health and my, and I feel my health. I feel my mental health involved in, um, tied up in this relationship that I have. This is this escapist, uh, like, like parachute I'm, I'm constantly grabbing for Mm -hmm. and my whole identity, my self identity is as someone who who doesn't get bored, I think of myself and always have proudly thought of myself as someone who doesn't get bored. And it's impossible to bore me because I have my imagination and I have my um, I have all these, you know, all these options that other people don't to sit and entertain myself, and um, it's it's a point of pride. And also I feel like, like my greatest gift and that 
I'm not using. Hmm. Because if I'm, you know, I do sit, it is, it is meditative in the sense that while I'm playing Minesweeper on my phone, Mm -hmm. I am, my mind is going, I am running scripts. I am playing in my mind with events, things that have happened, ideas, you know, it is a time, it is partly a reflective time. But, but it's not a productively reflective time because, because the, the scripts I'm running are also looping just like the game is looping it. Um, and maybe that is, and I said, I wasn't interested in the psychology of it, Mm -hmm. but that may be the thing that is comforting. I'm able to. I'm able to focus a certain portion of my attention on this thing and that allows the, you know, allows the, the like unspoken for attention that I have in my head to just become unmoored and float around in an urt cloud of (laughs) memories and, uh, ambitions and replayed conversations. You know, it just, it, um, it just goes into like, I'm watching movies of my dreams but that's the lowest form, just like pun is the lowest form of humor. That feels like the lowest form of my imagination, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like undirected waiting room level. <laughs> I've got to sit here until I get called. And so I'm going to just sit and, you know, even in a waiting room, I have stimulus. I look around the dentist's office and I'm like, what would happen if right now Batman came in through the ceiling you know, I can play, mm-hmm. but, but there's no, all that top level stuff is, is taken out of the game. I'm not looking around. I'm looking at Minesweeper and Minesweeper is a monochromatic, uh, like it's absolutely a two dimensional thing in every way. And, and solitaire, all these games are. And so I'm not engaged in my imagination. It just is, it's just kind of flitting around. And you know what? The danger for me is that my, my thoughts will go find some past insult, some moment where, uh, where a person 25 years ago made a comment that I've replayed a hundred times. Mm-hmm in the past 25 years and it will come back. And rather than say, what are you doing? You've, you have wrung every last bit of reflection out of that event. That one time that a person made a comment and you didn't have a ready retort Mm -hmm. that you've sat and stewed over Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, a hundred times, you're going to revisit it. This is what you're going to do with your spare time. Like there's nothing left there. You cannot find anything there to grow on. But that's where my, you know, that's where my little head will settle. Uh, last night, sitting and playing the game. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, it, that is what happens so often. I found a remark that a guy made after coming to see me play in 1990. Five, mm-hmm. a, a friend of my coworker of mine came to see me play and he made a remark about my between song banter to me when I ran into him next. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that I, that I admired a musician. He made a remark about my banter. It wasn't the type, it wasn't like a, a remark where I should have had a retort. It was more a remark that made me go, huh? Uh-huh. Okay been thinking about that since 1995. Now that <laughs> was a long time ago, Dan. Yes. It was 26 years ago. Even to people like us it was. And uh and that remark and my thoughts about it came into my head yesterday while I'm sitting and playing my game. Mm-hmm. And rather than rather than go ha 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 oh mind <laughs> oh oh silly friend who lives in my head who 
apparently has a, like a matrix of file cabinets and or, or it's like a jukebox that loves playing the old hits or whatever like here's this thing this one thing the guy that said it to me hasn't thought of it in in two decades in 20 in 24 years and nine months the guy that said it to me hasn't thought about it and he was the only one there so no one else has ever thought about it again because it was just the two of us standing there right no it's just me and i haven't if there was anything to learn from it if i if i was able to glean anything from it the the window of opportunity for learning something from that remark was uh, like it wrapped up around November of 1995. That was the last time I was ever going to be able to convert that into positive energy. And right. now it's just, now it's just a rut. And there was another one, some other, and this is just yesterday and I'm only remembering it because it was just yesterday. Another long ago comment that I got so twisted up about that. I actually put my solitaire game down on the table for a minute so that I could stare off into space and think hard on this insult that someone had, uh, had paid me in the nineties. Mm -hmm. So that alone is reason to throw the phone in the ocean. If, if, if it is just a vehicle for my head to say like, wow, do I really like nobody's watching me at all? Like I have no, I have no homework left. There's no school tomorrow and I can just go, I can dig to the bottom of my box of comic books and find the worst one and just sit here and, and, uh, you know, and just crumple up the pages and eat them, you know. <laughs> Why would I let my brain have that much leeway? Sure. Because when I'm, when I'm out in the ravine and I'm working and I'm moving rocks and I'm giving myself a, like a lingering back problem or I'm raking or I'm shoveling or something, my mind also goes on adventures, but it's not that kind. It's not that sick kind. It's those adventures are where my imagination goes when I'm working is a very different and much more energetic kind of imaginary life or, you know, like even, even the memories I recall, the conversations I replay, they're much more engaged in the world because I'm, because there's stimulus coming in the the sun is coming through the leaves and the, and I'm, and there are worms in the ground, you know? But I, I'm feeling the passage of time quite a bit right now. I'm, something has happened in the last year where I feel like coming out of 2020, coming out of the quarantine, coming out of all the events of the last year and a half, like where I was when the Western state hurricanes played the tractor tavern in, in February of 2020 mm -hmm. and where I am now, a lot of time has passed. And, and I'm not clear who I'm going to be coming out of the quarantine. I think that's probably true for a lot of us. I don't think I'm going to be the same. And it isn't so much that the quarantine has changed me. It's that, um, and, and it, and it isn't just as simple as like, I realize that I don't have to go back to the world as it was. Even I want to go back to some parts of the world. But, you know, this all happened to me at this, at this, what, what I think of even in my own parents' lives, like 52 years old is how old I am right now. Mm -hmm. And that feels 
like an age that I could have without the quarantine. I could have just gotten on my skateboard and skated right through the age of 52, uh, watching Tony Hawk on his Instagram (laughs) and thinking Tony Hawk's 52. Hell, 52 is the new 32. Get one of those like hovercraft skateboards, mm-hmm. you know, and be the be the 52 year old guy out there with the elbow pads and the and the <laughs> helmet, ill fitting helmet. Uh-huh. And I, I'm feeling my age right now in a way that, um, that isn't so much about aches and pains. And it's not about responsibilities and it's not about, it's not, it's not exactly negative, but it's definitely irreversible. Um, and, and I think a large part of it has to do with the, with the events earlier this year that all of that, you know, leaving social media behind also meant leaving behind a lot of the things that had defined a lot of the activities that had defined the last decade for me that in that had to do with going to cons and cruises mm-hmm. and comedy festivals, right? all that stuff. Um, it was like a fourth act for me in terms of show business. It was a, it was a new way of doing the same thing I'd been doing for 20 years, which was traveling from place to place doing performances with interesting friends and interacting with people that, that had paid money to see the show, you know, just, just different versions of it. And in the same way that I was never, I was never fully a member of rock and roll culture. And you know, and I say that as somebody that from outside, probably it's just like everybody, everybody says, I, I don't feel like I was, I never felt like I belonged. And then of course, you look at it and you're like, but you're Bruce Springsteen. What do you mean you didn't feel like you belonged? No, I didn't feel like I, I really never felt like I belonged in the E Street Band. Well, Bruce, if you didn't belong in the E Street Band, then nobody did. And it and it it always has felt like that. I've never felt like a like I belonged where I was. But I, it was always an ill fit for me in um in all of these little universes. So leaving it behind kind of like putting my phone in a desk drawer thinking about the next two or three years and realizing that, you know, I might keep doing sketch fest for instance, because the people that run sketch fest are, are wonderful and, and, um, but I'm not going to do the Joko cruise. I'm not going to go to the max fun con. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to go down to comic con And that, you know, those were little tent poles in my life that kind of, because between them, they kind of defined what I was going to do in the, in the meantime, right? Like sort of defined when I sat down with a guitar and thought, who am I making this music for? Why would I make music now? And for whom? Most of the Long Winters fans are... Uh, are trying to get their Instapot to to make a good bean, you know, or make a good make a good soup. Long uh-huh. Winters fans are not like down smoking cigarettes out front of the venue, waiting for the waiting for the opener to get done. You know, Long Winters fans have, are like are also like getting on with it, right? And so for the last t- ten years. Uh, when I sat with the guitar and thought, who am I making music for? I had this sort of imperfect picture of a person that wasn't actually a fan of the long winters or of mine, but was a member of this sort of culture that I also was a adjunct member of. And because they had, because they'd learned about me, because they had been big fans of Will Wheaton's blog when they were a teenager mm-hmm. and through that had 
graduated to being a fan of everything that Will did. And through that had, you know, had gone to a Wootstock and had discovered me and their initial impression of me was that, you know, I was the guy in the Hawaiian shirt that, um, that made Paul Saborn look like a ding, ding dong. But then they learned, they heard the commander thinks aloud and they liked it. Like, and so I would pick up a guitar and I'm like, am I making songs for that person? I mean, that, those are the people that I see when I'm traveling. Those are the people that I'm, that I'm performing for Mm -hmm. so often, not people that have come exclusively to see me, but people that have come and basically have learned to be fans of mine because they've come as fans of someone else. And I'm there so much of the time that they're like, I love that guy's stuff too. (laughs) I, I learned to really love his music and that's never inspired me to really, I mean, no, I, I, I love all those people. And I was grateful to get to know them and, and be, um, and be, be able to perform for them. But that, the idea that my audience was this sort of, uh, you know, group of acorns that had all fallen, uh, in the forest and I'd gathered the, you know, gathered acorns into a bag sitting with the guitar and thinking like, I want to play. I want to play music. It was much more about, I need to get some content, (laughs) right? Right. I'm, I'm in a culture that's driven by content and I need content in order to stay relevant, in order to keep getting invited and in order to make it onto the, you know, in order to play the next biggest room or be on the penultimate night or whatever. And I always felt that I had a content deficit, but that's not, you don't sit and pick up the guitar and think like, I need content. That's not what inspires you to write or to make anything. It may inspire you to make YouTube videos of, mm-hmm. of yourself uh, reading aloud from the back of a cereal box. But like if you're sitting and trying to write music or a novel or you know, to do something that, that really engages your, you at an emotional level. Right. It's not content. And I didn't feel like I had an audience anymore that belonged to me because even, you know, even my shows, even Roderick on the line, Mm -hmm. which Sean Nelson was always patient to point out to me was literally named after me. If you dig down into the, to the fan base of Roderick on the line, so many of those people came from Merlin. And even though they're, they've, you know, they've become my friends and, and they listen to the show for our dynamic and for the, the, for the world of thoughts that, that live therein. Um, they are Merlin fans. Right. And even the ones that are like, I came as a Merlin fan and I leave as a John fan. Mm. And the, you know, the, the ones that, that a lot of people say, like I started with back to work and then I went here and I went there. I started listening to reconcilable differences. You know, their, their entrance in came through you or Merlin or, uh, and, and through a, through a, a, a maze of culture that I wasn't ever really a part of the, the era that made you famous and Merlin famous and John Syracuse famous. And right. That's yeah. Uh, Marco, like I was not a part of that culture. I still don't understand what it was exactly. I don't understand. I know what 43 folders is. Right. But like, um, what, what, what all y'all were doing and saying to each other on live journal. I, I was like, I was <laughs> you, were a thousand, playing, you were out in front of uh, fans playing music. I was a thousand miles away from even knowing what it was and, and was, was just never on the, on the internet that way, never on the early internet. So 
So trying to f- trying to sit here at four, 52 years old and say, right, I have to acknowledge a few things. Uh, things are going to be harder now than the last time I tried to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be more difficult in, in, in every way. And I'm trying to reinvent myself starting where? Like starting where I am? Or do I want to rewind back to some some uh, some self a year or two ago or, uh, or t- uh, self 10 years ago? Did I get off on the wrong path? Is that what I'm trying to say? No, I don't think I did. I don't want to go back 10 years and take a different road. That's not possible anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to reinvent myself in a in um, in a time and place and in a way, and I don't have any super good notion. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm reinventing myself again with no plan and no 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 even real clear sense of what the future is. I mean, and, and that's just personal to me, right? I don't think of the future very clearly. I, I don't, I never plan for the future. So I'm walking into the future, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I think I was always somewhat motivated by, by the same belief that my dad always had, which was that I would never die and that I would always be the age I am now. And now I, 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 my family wants me to buy a car because they're tired of me. In order to start my Suburban now, mm-hmm. I have to pull the gear shift lever toward me and sink it down into um, like a little bit of a spot between park and reverse where the electrical connection there's still like one little place where the starter, where I can connect the wires <laughs> to the starter. Uh-huh. So I turn the key and then I pull the gear shift lever back and down just a little and I can, <laughs> it'll start. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, if, if, if you tried to steal the Suburban right now, you couldn't, there's no way you could. You, you, because there's four or five things you have to do just to get it to run. Sometimes now when I'm driving at night, the headlights will go off, but I've found that if I put my foot, <laughs> but you kind of like that, I bet it's not bad. Like it tests your driving skill and like the Terminator, I see everything and he's just doesn't need a light. He's got the red vision. It's not me that needs the light. It's the other drivers. It makes them feel, it makes them feel safer if my truck also has lights, but I found if I put my left foot down on the floor and I don't mean stomp the floor but just put my foot down in a part of the floor, the light goes on. And, and what's interesting is I'm not even pushing down on the floor. It's just that if I move my foot over to a place on the floor, the headlights go back on. Now that's a new one on me. Honestly, (laughs) I have put a lot of thought into what's going on with that. And the less I know about it, the better. And, and this has been, for six years, my family has been saying to me, you're a full-grown person. You need a real car. You don't have to get a fancy thing. You don't have to do it. it all it has to be is a car that starts every time you put the key in it. That has windows that roll down. Get yourself a nice Honda Civic, you know? Yeah, that has a heater and uh, air conditioner. All the blinkers work. It never catches on fire, as Mm -hmm. far as you know. And I've always, just like everything in my life, I've been like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. A car, right, 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 a car. But but (laughs) as I say, the Suburban really has a lot of... um, you, no one else can drive it, and also I have to say, like, I have to, I have to cast three or four spells. Every I was just going to say, it. it's like you have to sort of enchant it to life every time to get it to. You know, my uncle had my uncle's French, 
And he had, I think I've told you this story, whether we've told it on the air or not, he had a Peugeot. Your uncle's French? We. Oui. How did I not know this? You say that just like, oh, you know, my uncle's French. I anyway. thought you knew that. No. Yeah, he's okay. and he's not just French. He's a Frenchman. Right. French. You know. Yes. Right. And, right. uh, and he's from, the place that he's from in France is called Brest. Oh, sure. I've been to Brest. Of course you have. And so he had this Peugeot and the starter, I guess, had a problem. And... Mm. Rather, and this car, by this time, he'd had it. And of course, Peugeot is, it, it's the best because it's French and, you know, and never mind that you couldn't get it repaired anywhere and could never get any parts for it and that it broke down constantly. <laughs> so him being an electrical engineer and a very, very mechanically inclined person, it was beneath him to take it somewhere to get it like worked on. Like he, oh, and, he and, and he had this, like he retiled the entire house himself not because he wanted to do it. He hated every minute of it, but he did it because he refused. He was capable of doing it. Therefore, yes. why would you hire someone to do something that you are capable of doing? My hero. And it took him months to do it, but he did it. And it like the entire family that with his whole family was miserable. They hated it. Their house was always under construction and he'd have to go play soccer and, you know, and then come back and like, He'd get sore from playing soccer. So a week would go by. He wouldn't do anything with the tile. But finally, the tile was done. So same situation with the Peugeot. So what he had done in order to save money, he had kind of sort of rebuilt the starter in such a way that you needed to, it had some external battery that he'd rigged to it, just to the starter. And it had uh -huh. a tiny little micro switch hidden under the dashboard that only he knew about. In order to in order to start the car, you had to flip this switch, which would allow the current from the battery to go to the starter, and then you could turn the key and start it. And like everything in his life was set up this way. There were millions of these little tweaks and customizations and things that he had done. And the only reason he had done them was because he didn't want to get something technically really fixed. But yes. these things were all over the place. Like everywhere he had these weird little contraptions and things and and, and so like, I'm feeling what you're saying about enjoying this sort of fact that you're the only person that can speak to this vehicle, to get it to start. Yes, I do. But I, but especially now that the, now that the quarantine is coming to an end, you know, there, there's all this conversation like, well, we're, um, you know, the, the. My daughter's going back to school. She's going to camp this summer. Mm. She's going to need to be schlepped all over. And then my mom came and said, oh, we're going back to Ohio for a wedding. Mm. And I said, we are. And she said, yeah, we're going back to Ohio for a wedding, the whole of us, all of, all of the family. And I want to drive. I want to drive back to Ohio because there are things I want to see along the way. And I want you to drive. And I want you to get a new car that is going to be able to drive us all across the country to this wedding in Ohio and back. Right. And I said, is this just a, a just an extremely elaborate ploy to get me to buy a new car? And she said, yes, but also, it, the, you, you know, you need to do it. This is a, this is my plan. It is a plan. We are doing this. So find yourself a car. Like it became it became a, it was no longer optional. And that happens with my mom, you know, things, things are fine for a while. And then all of a sudden something's no longer an option. It's a, the decision's been made. And so I'm looking at cars now. I've never bought a, I've never bought a new car or a, I'm not a new car even, but I've never bought a late model car. And looking at them and thinking like, um, about uh, about car payments i'm realizing that if i buy a car that i have to pay a monthly payment for like i say a thing i've never done i will be paying for this same car when my daughter is a junior in high school and that is um that's the first tangible kind of, it's like a Soviet five-year plan. 
it's just far enough in the future that I can see it and far enough away that it seems like in, in, uh, insanely distant and also insane to make a commitment. I'm still going to be paying for this car in five years. Now I bought that suburban six years ago at least. And I am sure as shit still paying for it, paying for that decision. Right. In the form of right. every morning walking out and going, why did I do this? Why did I buy this? Why is this still my car? Um, but, but recognizing, trying to have a very clear understanding of where I am in, in life, in the arc of my life right now, that I'm in a fruitful place. It's a, it's, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of it. I'm not young anymore. I'm never going to be young again. I'm not old either. I'm in the, I'm in the soft middle and I can do, I can do things, you know, I can make positive choices. I can change my future and it can be exciting and, and I can do, uh, I can do stuff that nobody expects and that I don't expect. I don't just have to frame the next 10 years in terms of the goals that I had in my thirties and forties. I don't just have to make good on, on, um, some of the fuses that I lit 20 years ago. I don't have to pick up all those books that are half read and like the next 10 years aren't just to finish reading all those books. The next 10 years or the rest of my life can be honestly, whatever I want. And I, I don't know, I don't know how to, and, then, and when I say I don't know it, I'm not saying it from a place of frustration or disappointment. I honestly don't, and I'm excited to not know what to engage, like how in the toolbox that I currently have, do I have the tools I need to, um, to make choices? And if I don't, where do I find those tools? Do I, do I, do I need this toolbox? Do, does the toolbox that I have, is it, is it all tools for a different trade? And that's why I want to put my phone down is that it isn't even about yesterday or today or tomorrow. It's that I, that I need my imagination right now. Like I need it to not be preoccupied. The last thing I want to do is think about what Bill Patton said to me after a show at the rendezvous in 1995. Like, Go with God, Bill Patton. <laughs> like I need that, that untethered imagination to help me get excited about literally anything because that thing I get excited about is going to be, a, is going to determine so much. I thought about this the other day, Dan, like I chose to work to, to buy an old house and to restore it. Right. Now that was, that was a choice to direct a tremendous amount of actual kinetic energy, emotional energy, financial resources. Like none of that was, um, none of that is foreordained, right? To, to buy a house and fix it up is a thing. It's a diversion. It's like, it's like one of the one from a list of 20 things that middle-aged people do. Mm -hmm. I could have mm -hmm. bought an old car and fixed it up. I could have decided to spend my money traveling. You know, boat, I, you got to don't forget boat, get a boat. Yeah. You know, these are just sort of the classic versions of middle-aged person trying to find something to do with their hands. But that isn't, uh, I'm not limited to it. And it's not, and because I made that choice two years ago, 
doesn't mean that that has to define me for the next 10. And it doesn't mean that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, working on my house is, is, is interesting and fascinating to me. But all of this requires that I be really, really present right now in, in where I am. I keep, I keep going up to people, people close to me and saying, Do, am I losing my hair? And they all go, no, no, you're not at all losing your hair. And I'm like, it feels thinner. And they're like, well, maybe it's thinner, but it's not, you're not losing it. It's going gray and gray hair, gray hair feels different than non-gray hair. Maybe that's what you're experiencing. And I'm like, right, it's going gray. Sure, I'm not losing it. Like, I, my attention is so um, I, I, I feel like I'm made out of smoke right now. And when I come back, when I, when I become solid again, which I hopefully do, when I coalesce, <laughs> I'd, I'd like it to be in a, in a, in a form I choose. <laughs> 